You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. How many of you were here last week with us? Good portion. That's good to see. Um, so last week, for those of you who weren't, and maybe even worth a review anyway, for those of you who were, we were looking in Matthew 6, and Jesus was talking about seeking first the kingdom of God, and all these other things are going to be added to you, right? And we talked about the, the ultimate goal. That was really the title of it. We talked, one, about the power of just having goals and priorities and what that actually does for us in our lives. But then we moved on to talking about what the ultimate goal is. Anybody remember what the ultimate goal is? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we boiled that down to essentially just meaning like become like Jesus, right? That's what we were looking at. And, uh, and we took some time at the end and we prayed and we said, Lord, what are you asking me to focus on in becoming more like you this year? And some of you actually shared here in the room what it was you were sensing. And I told you that this week we were going to take some time to actually talk a bit about what I've been sensing, God speaking to me and calling me for us as a church to focus on in this season. So that's what we're doing today. Okay, Last week was on a, on a personal level. This week is for us corporately. And before I dive into it, I want to just tell you a little bit about an experience that I had early in December. Um, I was just praying, going, you know, essentially praying the prayer that we prayed last week before the Lord with regard to us as a community, saying, Lord, what is in your heart for us as Life Tree in this next season? And I had a sense of a response from God. And you remember last week I said, you know, when you get a sense of a, a personalized message from the Spirit, that it should match up with what you see in Scripture. Can we all? Yes? Okay, good. Just check in here, making sure we're on the same page. Uh, and, and as I prayed that, and I asked the Lord, like, hey, what is in your heart for us as a church in this next season? I heard this simple thing. The sense I had in my heart was eat together and pray together. That was it, that simple. Um, and, and here we are, right? Talking, we just read from this scripture that gives us a picture of the early church doing just that. And what I want us to see, I want us to catch a few things when we look at this, okay? But when Kenan read to us this description of this first church after the Holy Spirit is poured out, anybody think that church sounds attractive? Like, come on, like they're, they're, they're devoted to these simple things together. And then there's miracles happening. And then everything's in common and nobody's lacking. And they're actually like selling properties and possessions to make sure that those in need are cared for. And there's this joy and this gladness and the simplicity that's described. And there's this favor. It says there's this growing favor that they're experiencing throughout the city, right? Sound nice? Sound good? And the end of it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Right? Now, amazing thing is, what we heard Kenan read right before that description of the church was that the Holy Spirit was poured out, right? 
And then Peter preaches this message. And at the end, people want to know what to do. And how many people were added that day? 3,000. Okay. So now we have this description of 3,000 plus people, because there was the 120 in the room before that, right? Eating in homes around the city. Right? They're not, there's not one home with 3,120 people in it. There's multiple homes throughout the city where these people are eating together and experiencing this fellowship together, right? And you might say, well, they did more than just eat together and pray together. And I'll, I'll say we'll look in a bit at maybe, maybe not. But what I want us to catch, this is what really jumped out at me when I was reading this scripture recently. If you look at that portion in, in verse 42, okay, it says they devoted themselves to, what was it? The apostles' teaching, which was essentially Bible study, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer, right? Then you jump down to the last verse, Kenan read, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And what jumped out to me was they devoted themselves to and the Lord added. They devoted themselves to just this really simple practice, right? And last week we were talking about the value of actually having focused, narrowed goals and priorities, right? And that's what we see happening here is they had just this focused thing that they were devoted to doing. And here's what I would say to you. You could sum up these four things, right? Do you remember what they were again? Apostles' teaching, right? So Bible study, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. You could sum those four things up to eating together and praying together. Together covers fellowship, okay? Eating together is the scripture and food, and then obviously the prayer, okay? Charlotte liked that. Charlotte liked that, putting the scripture into eating together. It's good. We'll talk about that probably in a bit. But, but, but here's the principle. They devoted themselves to these things and God did his thing. They devoted themselves to this simple goal. God did the hard part of bringing about increase and in fruit. Right? And it reminds me of this story that we hear of Jesus where he feeds 5,000 people. Right? There's a story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And the way he did it was a boy brought his lunch to him. Two fish and five loaves. This simple offering. And Jesus took it and multiplied it and fed a multitude with it. There's a principle. We bring our simple offering to him. And he brings increase. We do our part, right? And there is this principle that you can see. You can, if you read any leadership stuff or, or business or corporate, you know, you're going to hear about this productivity principle, which is where you narrow the focus of your goals and priorities and you increase your productivity and efficiency, right? You guys have heard of this, correct? And so there's this thing that we actually see that at work here in the early church. They had this really simple focus. And we even saw last week, remember this? Last week we saw how having a narrowed focus of goals and priorities actually, like research shows, helps you overcome what Jesus called worry or what in the research you would hear as fatigue, depression, anxiety. When you've got too much going on, it actually wears you down. 
And we can see here the early church seeing this fruitfulness as they devote themselves to the simple thing that God put in their heart to do, right? They devoted themselves to, and the Lord added. And it's interesting, if you think about those verses, verse 42 and verse 47, sandwiched between them, there's a bunch of great stuff going on too. There's miracles, there's sharing all things in common, there's this radical generosity that we can see, there's this great joy, there's this growing favor in the city, right? And the question I would ask is, in between there with that stuff, it's kind of like, it's gray area. Who's doing it? Are they doing it or is God doing it? Seems to be the gray area of how grace works. Because it says that the apostles, right, they were, in, they were amazed at the, the miracles that the apostles did. And it talks about how they had all things in common. And it talks about how they sold properties and possessions and gave them and distributed it among each other. It talks about their great joy and the growing favor, right? Well, who was doing it? There's, a, there's this partnership happening. But I, I would say to you, for sure, God was at work. I cannot, in of my own strength, do a miracle. I don't know if I can, in of my own strength, sell my stuff and give all my money, you know, to make sure it's all distributed and take care of everybody. Like, that's radical generosity. That is a work of the Spirit, right? And remember, what we just read was preceded by the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. There was this move of God happening that we're reading about in these verses. I don't know about you, but I want to see a move of God in our city. I'm so glad I get a response when I say that here. I want to see a move of God in our city. I don't have to ask if you do. And I'll tell you this, Life Tree, I see visible fruit. I see visible fruit in this community that excites me. I see expressions of generosity in this community. I see a sharing of things in common happening in this community. I see fruit from the men's breakfast, like Stacy was talking about. Right? I see fruit. I see joy, and I see, I see favor. I hear little snippets and whispers about what's happening in different people's workplaces. And I hear about the favor. I see fruit. And it's good. It's really, really good. And so like I told you, I had this sense like God was saying, eat together and pray together. And this week, I just want to focus on eat together. Next week, we'll look at pray together. But there's something really significant that happens in eating together. And I'll clarify again. Eating together is food and? We got over here the word, the Bible, okay? The bread of life. Michael wants to make sure there's drinks at the table too. There's these really significant things that happen, guys, when we eat together. Really profound. We talked about some of this actually back on the Sunday before Christmas. I actually shared with you guys a message about making room at the table. A couple of things I want to highlight that happen at the table. One of them is we actually are rehearsing, if you will, the age to come. 
There is this description of what the age to come will be like in Revelation that describes a wedding feast, a banquet, a dinner, a big spread at a table where all who would come to Jesus get to sit and fellowship together. And it's this beautiful picture of all needs met, every tear wiped away, right? The lonely, no longer lonely. And when we gather around a table, we're actually rehearsing the age to come. Is anybody else excited about that? That, that? that gets me like super fired up when I envision that feast and I think about this reality that we get to be a part of that. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The other thing that happens at the table is we encounter Jesus. We encounter Jesus at the table. But when I think even about this, this thing about rehearsing the age to come and this banquet where everybody who's come to Jesus from all our different places and all of our different experiences get to sit, it really strikes me that the fact is, no matter what you've done, no matter how broken you were, you get to sit at the table with the king. It's you and me. Wherever we've come from, we're invited to the table. And there's something that we get to do as the church where we get to turn around and extend the invitation. We get to extend the invitation to our coworkers or fellow students or neighbors or relatives or whoever to come to the table. And what I want us to realize is there's something that can happen around the table that's different than what can happen in here. But we agree on that. There's the reality that there's people that maybe when Stacy was leading us in that thing of praying, come alive in the name of Jesus, right? Maybe there's people actually in your heart and your mind that you're praying for, that you carry in your heart and you want to see them come to Jesus, but you know the reality is they probably never join us in here on a Sunday morning. But you invite them to the table, the dinner table at your house. It's a completely different invitation. There's barriers removed, Right? It's very normal, common, shared experience to sit and eat a meal. It's what we see Jesus doing when he walks the earth, right? There's something profound that happens. And I don't know about you, but I've heard it from people. When they, when they come in here, there's still often, and maybe you're in here and this is exactly how you feel, but there, there's, a, there's a questioning, the sincerity of it all, the realness, the genuineness of it, Right? You don't really get to know a person in the same way in this context that you do at a table. And so there is actually, in a sense, many barriers removed. Not just in the invite, but actually potential mask or whatever, right, isn't there. There's a a genuineness and a sincerity required at the table together. And people get to have an actual window into your life. One of the things that I uh, found, Stacey and I were chatting this week about this, was that around the table you get these different generations with this different wealth of wisdom, right? And those, everybody sitting at the table gets to glean and be a part of it, and there's a dialogue and an interaction. There's oftentimes somebody who's, who's fresh brings something that maybe some of us who are a little older and dusty need, right? There's this, there's this, Interaction that can happen around the table that's very unique, very special, 
And I think there's something profound that God wants to do as we learn to eat together as a community. The other thing I said to you, right, is, is we encounter Jesus around the table. Encounter Jesus. You know, like when Jesus raised from the dead, there's this story, right, in uh, Luke 24. They're walking with him. They don't realize it's Jesus. But as he starts to open the scriptures to them, something starts to stir in their heart. And then when he breaks the bread and eats a meal with them, their eyes are open and they realize, this is Jesus. There's something about the way he spoke, the way he taught, and then ultimately the way he broke bread that confirmed for them who it was that they had been walking with, talking with, and were sitting with. And there was this repeated encounter with Jesus that people would have around tables. This is a bit of what we looked at back before Christmas was that a huge part of Jesus' mission and ministry happened around tables. Some of his most profound teachings we hear about happen around tables. Some of the greatest uh, impact in people's lives happen around tables. These encounters with Jesus that people would have, they led to usually one of two things. They either were turned away in a fence or they were transformed by grace. Either one would happen. Because they had an encounter with Jesus there that was significant, that was unique. And I really have this strong conviction, Life Tree, that, that you have, that we have as a community, great good, great glory, great beauty resident within this community that our world needs, that our city needs. When Stacy led us and saying, welcome to the family, there is such a sense that I experience in this church of family, of community, of connection. I don't know if anybody else relates to that. I know I've heard some of you say it, so I know there's some of you here who do. We have something to share. And again, I'm just convinced there is this unique opportunity around a table for that to be shared, for that transfer to happen, for that glory, that great glory that God has put within his church to be shared with the world. Maybe you remember this, but I'll say it again. About a month ago, I gave you this illustration of having an adapter between a C port and an HDMI cable, right? And you got all the information there on the computer, and you need to get it up on this screen, this monitor. And there, there, everything's there that's needed, but there needs to be this adapter for that connection to happen, for that download to happen. And there's this strong sense that I just have as I look at this in the scriptures, what we read about, what I've seen in my own life, is that that table actually acts as that adapter that's necessary. That there, there's, a, there's something that happens at that space where people can connect in a really organic, simple, normal way that we need. And people are interested. People, people like... I've had experiences in this last year, whether it's some, some neighbors that we've invited over for dinner or whether some, some coworkers that get invited over for dinner. And you can feel when that dinner happens that there's this sense of significance in it for them, that they were even invited to the table. And the curiosity in who we are and what we think and what we believe and especially what I do for a job, really like, you know, the curiosity leans in and there's questions and there's interest. 
simple things. And as people get a glimpse into it, of, of what it is that we actually do as a community. I'm telling you guys, there's a beauty to it. Life Tree Church, you're beautiful. Life Tree Church, you're attractive. That was a, I was praying in here this morning. I was like, Lord, Lord what do you want to do here today? What do you got in your heart? And that was the word that kept coming up for me, is that you're attractive. You realize, I know it may feel a little weird for me telling you this, but hey, going with it. I'm running with it. You are attractive, Life Tree Church. This church, right, it says at the end, and the Lord added to their number daily. Why? How was that happening? If you read those verses before, it was attractive. It was very attractive. It was very magnetic. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Imagine with me. Meals with, with food, Bible, fellowship and prayer happening around tables throughout this city every night of the week. Is that not like a, a rich landing place for the curious, for the newcomer? Is it not a rich place for the church to grow and mature and develop? Absolutely. I mean, it's not shocking to me that we, we hear this story. 3,000 were added, and it's like, what are we going to do? I don't, put them around tables. <laughs> you know, like, get them around tables. And then it keeps on growing and snowballing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I found myself, as I've, this has been stirring me, this word, eat together and pray together. I'm reminded that on New Year's Eve, we were all together. Well, not all of us. Some of us with Gateway Church, with Keystone Church, and we had a time of just extended worship and prayer coming into the new year. And Sarah Primus, who's from Keystone Church, she started to pray over us as Life Tree. And I remember, I, I heard Charlotte behind me right now go, yep, she remembers it, because there was a bunch of us, it was, there's this resonance in what she was praying. And essentially, there was just this feeling like as she prayed for us, we felt like God was speaking through it. And the words that really sticked with me and still ring in my heart was this, this thing of don't forsake your roots. Strengthen your roots. And, and the roots of this church have had a lot to do with prayer and food. A lot. This, this church started as a prayer meeting in a living room. And there's been a lot of tables put out and a lot of food served over the years. And there's just been this really unique thing that God has done from this place of praying together and eating together. And when she prayed for us, don't forsake your roots, strengthen your roots. There's just such a sense in my heart and I know others in our team that was like, this is the Lord. The Lord is like grabbing us and being like, don't forget where you've come from how I've built this community. Strengthen this. And, and it's no surprise to me that when we look at the story of those who walked and talked with Jesus, actually like physically touched him, heard him, could smell him, all that sort of stuff, 
you know, ate with him. That when they sought to fulfill the commission that he gave them and when his spirit was poured out upon them, this is what we see. We see them eating together and praying together. And our, our goal here at Life Tree, we said it last week, and it's not just here at Life Tree. This is for Jesus' church for all time. This isn't some like, you know, this is the season for this and it's going to change. It's never going to change. The goal is become like Jesus. And it's really simple. If we're going to become like Jesus, we do what Jesus did. Jesus did a lot of eating around tables and praying with and for people. So simple invitation, guys, is let's do it. <laughs> let's go. It's simple. Eat together. Pray together. Right? So what, is it, what does that look like? Well, invite some people over. Invite them for lunch. Invite them for dinner. Put the scriptures out. It's been so simple the last couple times at the men's breakfast. That's what we've been doing. We've been just putting the scripture on the table with some questions. Come to the lunch down the hall if you're interested and, you're, and your heart's feeling drawn to, to be a part and you want to either, you know, think about leading something or think about helping host something or you're just interested, you're just curious, you're feeling drawn, come down the hall for lunch after this. Next week, we're going to look at praying together. But before we close in here today, we're going to do one of the most significant things that Jesus instituted around a table. We're going to receive communion together. And I want us to, to remember something and realize something as we approach the Lord's table this morning to receive the bread and receive the juice, receive the body and the blood of Jesus. I want us to remember that his invitation extends to everyone, to all who will come. You are here today because he extended an invitation to all who would come. You're not here today with faith in Jesus as a follower of him because of your intellect or your genius. Sorry to break it to you. You're here today because of his grace to you, because of his spirit drawing you, because of his grace causing you to see your need for him in your heart. And I'm reminded of the story in Luke 14 that Jesus tells. He tells this story of, you know, this banquet's being put on, and this master sends out his servants to extend some invitations, and everybody who's invited, they're, they're too busy. They got all sorts of other stuff going on. So Jesus says, well, then go bring in the blind, the lame, the crippled. So remember, those who came were the broken. If you're in the room, if you're in the room today with faith in Jesus, you fit that category. And then he goes, after that, he says, go out into the highways and the byways. Just essentially invite everyone. Whoever you can find, invite them, invite them, invite them to come. That my table will be full. I want my house full when I throw this party. That's the banquet in the age to come. And there's something that we get to participate in when we invite others to our table. That we're turning around and doing the very same thing to them that he has done to us. But that motivation and that grace to do that, to make space for it in your life, comes from remembering how he did it to you first. We love because he first loved us. 
right? And so as we come to the table this morning, I want us to just remember and give thanks in our hearts that, Jesus, you invited me to your table. You invited me, broken, sinful, hurting, unworthy for all sorts of reasons. You invited me to your table. Can we give thanks for that together this morning? I said, you know, eat together and pray together. What I want to encourage us to do here as we close this morning is we're going we're gonna to eat together, this part. We'll pray together corporately. But if you're in here today and you've got a need in your heart that you feel really, it's really present, it's really there, I need, I need prayer. Or you've got something that you're just burdened with that's, you know, out there that, that you really, you know, you're carrying in your heart that you want to pray with people for. I want to encourage you that after we've received communion together, don't be shy to tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, can we pray together here before we leave? So that means tag your it, church, to be ministry team to one another. But really, like, there's something powerful in when you bring your needs to one another and you just say, can we pray together, okay? So that's how we're going to do that part. But, but right now, let's receive this extremely blessed meal that we've been given. Lord, we thank you that you came to us and you lived among us and you showed us who you are and what you're like in your body. We thank you for your body that was given for us, that was broken for us. Jesus' body, take and eat. And Lord, we thank you for your blood. Your blood that was shed for the remission of sin. Your blood that was shed as an oath of a new covenant that you would never give up on us. That you would leave the door open. That you would call to us and say, you can be forgiven. You can be washed clean. You can be made whole. We thank you for your blood that you shed for us, that we could come to your table. From any life path, from any mess we find ourselves in, from any brokenness, we can come to your table because your blood was shed for us. And we receive it gratefully. Jesus' blood shed for you. Take and drink. Lord, today we sit and we rejoice in this reality that you have an open table for us. And we thank you for it. We thank you for the invitation. We thank you for the grace that has drawn us. And we ask that we would be a people who by your spirit embody that grace. That our lives would would act in this city, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods as an invitation to the table. Make us a people who know what it is to eat together and pray together in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. 
If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.